We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Hour Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius and Mike. And today we're going to preview a very unlikely finals matchup between the Phoenix Suns and Milwaukee Bucks. Now, Darius, this is a tough one to preview because we don't know the status of Giannis. And so let's operate under – there had been reports that he would be possibly back if there was a Game 7 in the Eastern Conference Finals. That was not necessary and hopefully gave him a couple extra days off. I am anticipating kind of like the median point for him to be like a, a 75% Giannis. I'm, I'm, I'm operating under that assumption and that's how I'm going to operate on this pod. So talk to me, man. What, how do you see these teams matching up? So first of all, about Giannis, I'll be very interested to see if the Bucks sort of hold him out until they feel like – something changes within the series or things get a little bit dramatic. Mm -hmm. And so it's one thing to say, if there's a game seven, he will play just like Mm, it was a thing for Trey young to say, like it's, it's winner go home for us. So Trey, Trey young came back. He was clearly not himself and clearly not like he probably should have sat if that was sort of the level of which he was going to be able to play to a lot of grimacing from him, um, a lot of passing ahead and not necessarily yeah. looking to be as, as involved. He was in the game, but if they weren't going to be eliminated, if they lost, I, he probably would have sat if, if they were up three, yeah. two rather than down three, three, two, my bet is he sits in the same way that Giannis sat just getting it right off the top here. Starting the series at 0-0, I actually wouldn't expect Giannis to play in Game 1. If they go down 0-1, I might not even expect him to play in Game 2. If they're down 0-2, that's when I would say, okay, we got him an extra week's rest. If he's ready to play at all, it would be now. Mike, before I start to talk about the matchups or anything, what do you think about Giannis's availability? Are you on the same sort of thought process? that I am or do you see it differently here no I'm 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 not quite with you there I think that he's playing and I think that he should play in game one (laughs) and the this is based off mostly the Chris Haynes tweet 
which uh, just to reiterate was there's belief Buck star Giannis Antetokounmpo would be given the green light for a potential game seven if Hawks avoid elimination in game six on Saturday. League sources tell uh, Chris Haynes, Yahoo Sports. So, you know, that that game would have been yesterday. Right. And so then you get you then buy him two more days before game one. And we know that we don't. Here's the problem. We don't know that for sure what this is. Is it a bone bruise? Is it something else? We know that it's not a tear of something because they they said that the MRI was clean in, in terms of tears and such. But if it's something that he can go through, then I think it's the finals and you go ready to get ready to play in game one. Um, so that's that's what I'm basing it off. And I'm but I'm generally more of a like I'm, I'm almost always going to side on the side or to go on the side of be a little bit more aggressive uh, with an injury than not and not like anytime you take, Oh, if I could just buy the guy two extra days, I, I don't know if that always ends up making a difference. It's, it's usually, it's like you're either hurt or you're not, you can either tolerate pain or not. And we, as we just saw with AD, that was a, a groin pull that was not going to get better. They tried to give him a couple of extra days. Uh, but like by that, that point it was too late. And I think in this case, uh, Pete, I'm with, I'm with Giannis, playing in game one yeah that's that's what I'm expecting too but it's going to be a question of how physically dominant is he that's something that Phoenix is weak to and that's something that Anthony Davis showed when he was healthy in that series is they don't have anybody that can quite handle that type of guy right that type of guy who can really be dominant around the basket and Darius Milwaukee's the biggest team that they've played that's not to say that Phoenix doesn't have their advantages as well I'm very curious to see how having two guards you know Milwaukee hasn't faced a team especially with the injuries that Brooklyn suffered that has two different ball handlers who can score off of ball screens and so this is an interesting series in both ways, but Giannis's physical effectiveness to me, that swings this series wildly is that if he's not like, I don't expect him to be full Giannis, but if he's not able to really dominate around the rim, that takes away Milwaukee's primary advantage against something where that might be Phoenix's primary weakness. The tricky thing about a player like Giannis though, is that they are going to try a lot of different things that everyone has tried against Giannis and to a certain extent, doesn't necessarily work unless you have someone back there lurking who can sort of like challenge him. And this is where Brooke Lopez's skill set is super interesting. And it's one of the reasons why he's such a key piece for the Bucks. It's because Lopez can space the floor while Giannis digs down low. And and so the interesting stuff to me is going to center around Aiton. So one of the thoughts I had around this is if Giannis isn't 100% and he's not going to be, and his movement is compromised, do you do what the sun started to do against the Lakers and AD, which is when it was Gasol who was, the other big on the floor next to AD, which is put Crowder or put the power forward on Lopez. And Lopez is a much more damaging low post score than Marcus is, Mike. But if you can, one of the matchups that has, I don't want to say favored the opponent, but Philly has used Embiid, for example, on Giannis as like, hey, Embiid, go out there and defend Giannis. And Embiid does a pretty good job. And 
while Aiton isn't the level of defender that Embiid is, like Embiid's a defensive player of the year candidate, Aiton has a lot of those same tools in his kit. Like he is, he's a mobile big, he's he's strong, he's got good length, he's sturdy, and he moves pretty well. Is that a matchup you would explore early in the finals? Is that a card that you would go to out well out of the gate, or is that something that you would maybe hold off on and keep in reserve? Yeah, I just think with any star, and especially any superstar, you have to mix up looks. And we've seen that kind of in the modern NBA, where you can't just expect one guy to go and take a, a certain player out of a series. And I think that in the case of Giannis, this is, goes back to Pete's point as to how healthy is he. So if he's kind of banged up and he's not really able to be full Giannis where he's putting the ball on the floor and, and sprinting up and down transition and getting the bucket, then you can definitely get away with having Aiden play him and just play way off, you know, help help at the other uh, on the on the weak side, et cetera. But if Giannis is full Giannis, then even if you do try to have Aiden on him more, then then I think it becomes too much for Aiden to handle uh, for over the course of the 48 minutes, especially like he might contain him some in, in spots, but Ultimately, Giannis is going to be able to get where he wants to go against him. So that's where you do need to switch up the looks. And it, it kind of to kick this to Pete, that is what is so fascinating about this series is because, you know, both of these teams have real weaknesses. Uh, neither one is super dominant. And they have they have both gotten the benefit of some injuries uh, to get to this point. They're both really good teams. I don't think either of them are great teams. And I don't think that this is a case where it's a clear uh, even if let, let's say that Giannis was fully healthy, I don't think it's a clear. Yeah, you know what? Milwaukee's better. I'm going to pick the Bucks. I don't think right now with Giannis banged up that it's a clear Phoenix is for sure going to win this. Like I, I do think this is going to be a a drag out series, and and we can argue for the merits of either side. But Pete, let's stick on that matchup for a second and get your thoughts on Giannis and Aiton and kind of what Phoenix can do one way or the other, depending on how healthy he is. Whether or not Aiton can defend Giannis to me will be a bit of a clue regarding how healthy Giannis is because Aiden did a pretty good job on Anthony Davis, especially in that game one matchup where AD was pretty much shooting jumpers and facing up and not putting a ton of pressure on the rim. Where Aiton can get into trouble is uh, on changes of direction. And Giannis has gotten great. You know, you mentioned about how Aiton just play off of him and that's how everybody tries to play Giannis. He's arguably the most terrifying guy at the rim in the NBA. So, Plenty of teams have tried to play off of him, and he's become a master at eating up that space and still getting you off balance while doing that. But one of the ways that he does that, D, is with spin moves, and that's so plant and pivot and so much torque on your leg, on your ankle, that you know, and just that whole structure that's damaged, that if he can't execute that type of move, even if – we saw this with LeBron, right? Where yeah. LeBron couldn't really jump off of his right foot. And that's a little bit different. It's his left leg, right? Giannis with his, it, that's more of a, a pivot foot and more of a, where you're planning and exploding. And if, if those types of things are limited, he he won't have access to some of the moves that he normally has to be able to beat the coverages that he's so used to seeing. Well, Euros too, right? So he, oh, mm-hmm. like, Giannis does a lot of like sidestepping and and dipping his shoulder, planning hard on both feet, right? Because he's exploding in one direction in order to sidestep you and then exploding again in the opposite direction in order to try to finish in the basket. 
And so the interesting thing is with Giannis is that he's so strong in his upper body as well. If there's an archetype of player that can actually give give him problems, it's probably going to be a guy who can who can either get underneath him in order to take away his center of gravity and use his length against him. Like if you're talking boxers, you want the guy with the length advantage to basically stay away. Use your jab, fight from the outside, and that's how you're going to effectively win. And the smaller dude then wants to get inside and keep everything in in a phone booth. But Aiton is big enough and like a guy like Embiid is big enough that even though the center of gravity is basically equal to a, a guy like Giannis, they're sturdy enough where they can sort of take that hit and not get blown off their position. And so those spins, Pete, and those Euros, like, yes, it's great to be able to change directions like that. And and Giannis can get guys off balance like that. But I would argue that a guy like Aiton is agile enough he's not going to be that he's not going to get blown off the floor because of that it's more the combination of quickness and strength and while Giannis is quicker for sure and probably and will probably even have some quickness advantages even if he's not 100% just because he is that's his style of play like he is he is both slithery and strong but it's when he explodes into you in order to get you off of him to create even more space that I think a player like Aiton can be trickier for him to navigate. And if he's not 100%, then that makes it even harder for him. Mike, like, is there anything more you, you had to say about the Giannis matchup even outside of, of, of Aiton. My guess is that no. if it's not Aiton, it's going to be Crowder, and that'll be sort of like what you expect. We yeah, got yeah. previews of that from last year's Heat Bucks series. And I think that we'll, we will also know more about just after the first two minutes of game one, we'll be able to kind of tell what's up with Giannis, and then we can analyze further from there. The thing that I, I noticed just looking a bit at these two teams and their playoff runs, so they're number one and number two in defense in the postseason and some years it's always fluctuates some from regular season to uh to postseason but last year of course the lakers were number one in defense in the postseason at least i I should double check that but i think they ended up um at number one and like in the there's been such that the way that we talk about the shifts in the game um actually okay hold on now that i'm looking at it i guess they weren't in the postseason number one they were they were number six Okay, that surprises me. They were number six in defensive rating. Part of that's because the Eastern Conference, a lot of these are Eastern Conference teams, then OKC actually got in there. But uh, I guess the point to that would be, like, how do these teams get there? And we look at the injuries. So, Pete, is that more about just that, you know, the Lakers without AD, in Phoenix's case, and then LeBron banged up, and then they, they get to Denver, who was kind of a mess at that point. The Clippers then lose Kawhi. So those teams weren't at their peak uh, on that end, and Phoenix was able to compete the whole time, and then sort of a similar story m- with Milwaukee. Or do we believe that these defenses are actually that good, or is it a, a yes and no situation? That it's, it's definitely that it's definitely a yes and no situation. So above all else, like not playing superstars is really important in the playoffs, and I will I will take that to the grave regarding this season. However, Phoenix, and this is a credit to the team, 
and Monty Williams, they make very few mistakes, and they're a fantastic transition defense team. That's something in their matchup against us that I was really impressed by, is they get back, they build that wall, and this is very important against a guy like Giannis, where, and a team like Milwaukee, where they're going to rely on that, on be able, being able to generate offense on those types of looks on, on a fairly regular basis. In terms also how much they are able to control their turnovers, we were able to turn them over a bit, and that's something that Milwaukee has a degree of size that the only team that Phoenix's face that fits that was a healthy Lakers team that was really giving them a hard time on the defensive end, right? Like Phoenix at the beginning of that series, even in the first game that they won, was having difficulty cracking 100 points. So I think Milwaukee is a similar type of team defensively. And let's take a quick break when we come back. I want to expound on Milwaukee's defense and kind of flip the way that we're looking at this through the lens of Phoenix's offense. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So my working theory going into game one, and this always changes quite a bit in going into game one, is that with that size that Milwaukee has, and they really go out of the way their way to protect the rim, I think they are more equipped to defend Aiton than any other teams aside from the Lakers that Phoenix has faced. I also think that Drew Holiday is going to win some of the battles against Devin Booker. Booker is going to win some battles as well, right? Holiday is a very physical defender. He can get up in a guy. And Booker will use that against him at times, but I suspect that that's going to be the matchup. I think they're going to miss DiVincenzo in the other matchup where Darius, the way I'm looking at this series, and obviously basketball isn't one-on-one like this, but I think that those matchups in particular, the size versus Aiton, and then Holiday being able to win some of the battles against an elite scorer like Booker makes Chris Paul's scoring ability, which is something... We talked about before that game six explosion where he's had 41 points. He had a few games where it it wasn't as great. And he was coming back from COVID protocols and all of that. I think that that CP3 is going to have to be a 
22 per game plus guy for them to really succeed on offense in this series. I'm curious on your thoughts on that. I think the Suns would love for Chris Paul to be able to score that much. I'll be very interested if he can against this Bucks team. Holiday's not the only guy they can put on Booker. Mm-hmm. So they can put Chris Middleton on Booker. They can probably steal some minutes with Connaughton on Booker. Connaughton's like a less ideal option, obviously. I'm just saying that it's not like you're only going to have one dude and Holiday's pure job is to say like, oh, I'm going to be the Devin Booker stopper. Like, I definitely think Holiday's going to get a lot of chances. And if there's and if Booker's playing 40 minutes a game, I would imagine Holiday defends him for more than 50 percent of those minutes. Mm-hmm. 25, 28 minutes, somewhere in there. Yeah. Yeah. But I wouldn't say it's. of those minutes or 90% of those minutes. So Holiday's the type of guy that you can put him on different guys to try to cut off their water too. And so, hey, go out there and pressure Chris Paul full court. Yeah, he can he can really leverage. Actually, you know, this is an interesting point you bring up. There may be value in having Holiday on CP3 as the primary assignment because he's not going to there's, I mean, obviously this is all going to be ball screens, right? But Holiday has the size to be able to if if Chris Paul's not getting to the basket. Holiday's going to win even more of those battles. And maybe there's more value in shutting CP3 off more than he can shut off Booker and then giving extra attention to Booker. Is that is that something you would consider? Yeah, I would consider deploying Holiday wherever, like wherever you want. And and basically like so Holiday's got if Holiday is playing for four and 40 minutes, you're going to get four 40 minutes of pretty much elite defense. Right. Like his offense is going to come, come and go, but he can hurt you there, too. Right. But, OK, I've got 40 minutes of Drew Holiday defense. Like, OK, g- great. Let me divvy that up on however I think it's going. Right. Like. So the other thing is, too, is I think you can put Chris Middleton on CP3 as well and put size on him. Like the Bucks are a good perimeter defensive team i think you could put pj tucker on chris paul for a few minutes in the same way that the lakers put Wes matthews on him for a little bit the suns can be a dynamic offensive team but so much is triggered by their guards in the ball screen game so what i'm more interested in is how often do the bucks switch and how does Lopez navigate that middle area between mm-hmm. drop and playing up a little bit more? The Suns guards, Mike, they don't attack like Trey Young attacks, right? They're not floater game. They snake the dribble and then they get into their pull up, which is even more effective against a drop when you pair that with Aiton's ro- like hard roll down, well, downhill. So... I think Lopez is even more key in this in terms of how Booker looks in the big picture as much as what Pete was saying with with Holiday and how much I was touting potentially like Middleton as a potential solution against Booker as well. Yeah, the first thing that came to my mind in looking at this matchup with Chris Paul specifically is that Holiday is the best guy to be on him and they do have some other guys that they can throw at Booker, some bigger guys. 
But in part of that is just because Milwaukee doesn't have a lot of other guards and certainly any other like point guard defending type players that they even really have on the roster. Because, you know, A, they're not really wanting to play Jeff Teague much and he's not defending anybody anyway. And from mm-hmm. that point on, right, you're getting to like Pat Connaughton, um, who Brent came Forbes. off the yeah, yeah, I mean, sorry. Brent Forms isn't playing defense, right? And Connaughton is more of kind of like a wing in a way anyway. And he came off the bench in their last game because they, they played, uh, they put Portis in to start for Giannis. And so this is all obviously assuming that Giannis does start. But like I, and that's by the way, we're putting PJ Tucker essentially at the three, um, which he was playing the five when the Lakers played against him. You know, so it's like a totally, the Bucks are really big um, is kind of the point. And so if Holiday is not on Booker and they're sticking with that starting lineup, then things get, I think, a little tricky. But maybe a lot of that is moot anyway, because what, what is Chris Paul going to do? He's going to think, all right, I don't care who you want to try to start as my primary defensive assignment. What I'm going to do is get Brooke Lopez to come out as high as I can, and then either I or same thing with Devin Booker, we're going to take those little mid-range jump shots. And that's what the, that's the shot that Milwaukee is wanting to give up. But Booker and Chris Paul hit that shot at a much better rate as a tandem. You know, Atlanta obviously had Trey Young, who could get to that space and get some work done with the floater game. Bogdanovich, I feel like, could some, but they didn't really run much of that for him. And so that's that's one aspect of it that's super interesting to me as to like when Phoenix has the ball, right? When uh, Pete, when we would do these things like for Lakers breakdowns, like, okay, when Phoenix has the ball. And the only other point I wanted to make was that Phoenix hasn't really dealt with a lot of good defensive guards to the caliber of holiday since the Lakers series, Pat Bev aside, but Pat Bev is so unique. And I don't know, like, like some of that is just how grabby they're going to let him be. But he, he did throw Booker off and they didn't really use him much on Chris Paul, um, which is, which is also interesting. So uh, there's take what you want out of that Pete. Uh, that, that's but that, all that stuff is popping to my mind. Yeah. So those elbow jumpers having two guys that excel at that, that if you're giving that up on purpose, that's you can't do that against a team like Phoenix. And so that goes to what you brought up, Darius, is I've noticed Milwaukee throughout this these playoffs getting better and more comfortable switching one through yeah. five. And what's different about them than even us is that holiday Connaughton backcourt, even though Forbes is smaller, Teague isn't very big, but that that Connaughton holiday backcourt, they're big enough to where it's not Dennis Schroeder, it's not KCP. They're big guards. They're not just big in their front court. And so in their switching, they're not as disadvantaged. It's when, like last year's Lakers, Pete. And with right. Bradley and Danny Green. That's exactly right. And and so that if you want to take away those pull-up elbow jumpers that's the first strategic trick that Budenholzer will go to is switching you'll give up a lot fewer of those it's very interesting because the sun struggled at first with the switching that the clippers were deploying against them and that was a real chess match between monty williams and ty Lu. this was one of the things i wanted to ask you guys in like a preview about this series is we often talk about the players and the matchups, who has the advantages from a roster standpoint, talent and whatnot. But we've also, we also talk about like X's and O's and scheme and strategy, but that's an extension of the head coach matchup. And so I thought that the Monty Williams, Ty Lue matchup was just a great sort of tactical blow by blow with two guys who were really sort of operating at the top of their own individual games and and at the higher end 
of a level that you're going to see from coaches from an adjustment standpoint and from a game plan and scheming standpoint. And Coach Bud, Mike Budenholzer, has not always been viewed through that same prism as being an elite tactical coach, adjustment coach, a great playoff coach coach and i think monty williams is is being viewed more and more through that light as being like oh he's had a really good postseason and and so from a coaching standpoint do you think that this is that this really favors the suns in terms of the matchup and if you do how much do you think that that matters over the course of a playoff series where against as mike was saying earlier sort of evenly matched teams Teams that both have are both really good, but maybe not great, have some things that can be exploitable within them, but do but don't make a lot of mistakes. So how much does the coaching matter here? I think one of Milwaukee's bigger issues is that they do make a lot of mistakes. They're a team that for all of the, you know, that we can fret about Charles Barkley's lack of actually watching the games when he does watch games he's very insightful which is part of why I'm like I I get frustrated with him so he's one of my favorite people to listen to because I do think that he can when he's when he really cares about it he can get and it's hilarious to hear Barkley talk he's like he's so frustrated with how often they shoot themselves in the foot and so that will be something that I think plays out that's part of the personality of their team I always think of the Steph pass out of bounds in game seven against Cleveland where he like throws it out of bounds and they did the little uh, overlay of the championship throw yeah, where he threw it behind his back. Yeah. 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 Like, what kind of pass is this in this kind of situation? Milwaukee has that element to them. So that said, I do think that the, that coaching in a playoff series, it gets accentuated. I also think that Budenholzer is, I think we go a little far with the Budenholzer uh, criticism. Yeah. Right. Like he's not an idiot. He's not somebody who doesn't know what he's doing. I I really like this is a conversation, Mike, you brought up in the last pod that we did about how like does it really matter? Everybody's running high ball screens. I do want to have a whole pod about this where we really get into the details of what I mean by this. But there are all sorts of timing and ball screen variations. Like when you say you run a ball screen offense, there's a dozen different types of ball screens that beat and counter different types of defenses and a big part of the game at this playoff matchup is the what and when of that aspect of the game all that said monty williams has had a week off and this repeats a pattern that we've seen for them throughout the playoffs to where they just get to zero in on i mean of course i'm sure they prep for atlanta too but they've had time to just focus on the team that that's coming up and so i do i do give phoenix a a solid advantage there just by, but I just want to point out that Budenholzer, Budenholzer, I think yeah. has turned some of the right dials in these playoffs. Yeah, and two, you're right, Pete. We do need to do a full pod expanding on that. But what part of what I mean is that these coaches at this level, whether it's the head coach or at least somebody on their staff, they've got all the X's and O's in the bag for the most part. Now, some are better than others, and there's this is a it's a meritocracy thing, like in any job in any industry. somebody that's a little bit better makes a difference. So I'm not, that's not what I'm saying, but I think that what people sometimes should focus on a little bit more is that your best players specifically, or at least your best leader, your floor general, that has to be able to translate to the court when the other team does something to switch it up. And so LeBron, Chris Paul are better 
at that than most players in the league. Rondo, you can include in that, uh, in, in certainly in years past. And I don't know if Milwaukee really has that player. And so I think that's where Bud sometimes gets a little bit of a, of a short end on this is that they can have this great film session. Hey, here's what we're going we're gonna to do when, with the ball screen, and I want you to do it this way. And then the other coach or the other team makes an adjustment, or Chris Paul notices it, and he switches the angle of the screen on the fly, and that's going to make Monty Williams look better than Bud because Giannis 100%. isn't going to do that. You know, uh, Chris Middleton maybe a little bit, maybe Drew Holiday a little bit, but that's not the kind of player that Drew Holiday is either. He's like kind of a like, you know, go eliminate that dude. You know, and, and, and then and Chris Paul's like the best ever at right. that. Really, so yeah. so that's what I'm saying. And so I'm like, Monty Williams was coach of the year, but Chris Paul gets some of that credit. And I know this continues the whole like, give Chris Paul credit for everything in Phoenix. But what's the biggest sure. difference between them being in the finals, other than the AD <laughs> injury? Okay, uh, like he does, and just like LeBron, it's not a coincidence that freaking LeBron, whoever his coaches, and Frank Vogel will be the first person to tell you this, that he gets to the finals. Like, because LeBron translates all of that, the brilliance that comes, because you have to be brilliant, I think, to be an NBA coach. But then how do you get that actually executed? And it's usually like, even if it's one player, that's the guy that's going to be making those decisions. And to me, that that is a slight difference in this series is that Phoenix has that Chris Paul element on the, co- on the court that Milwaukee doesn't have. That's a great point, Mike. So then I, I want to bring it back then to a point that Pete, you, you brought up earlier, which is the physicality of this series and so if we're sort of giving the brains side of things to the suns right Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. which maybe that's being too like too general here and there's nuance within that but let's just say it's fair though yeah i think that's a fair evaluation in a typical series you would then give the brawn to the bigger team to the team with Giannis and the team that across the board has basically size size advantages at pretty much every position. Giannis is sort of in the way that we typically highlight LeBron or typically highlight Anthony Davis as sort of like, oh, like the guy who is on Mount Olympus, right? Like the basketball gods have blessed this dude with a certain amount of like, oh, this is just a bad MFR. Like this dude is just more physically dominant and imposing than pretty much 99.9% of the league, right? There's maybe four or five guys in the league at any given time who are like this specific dude. And Giannis at his best is sort of like that, not from a skill standpoint, but from a, I've got just enough skill and all of this physical to the way that I play that you really can't stop me that you lay off me you talked about this earlier right lay off me that's fine at the end of the night look at look at the box score I've got 32 34 points I've got 14 or 15 rebounds I missed six shots all night and you basically didn't stop me I lived in the paint So I think it circles back to that original point, Pete, is can Giannis be close to that dude? Because if he is, or if he can be, then I think that that sort of bridges the gap some on like, okay, well, you got all these brains, but guess Mm -hmm. what? We got the brawn. That's right. Yeah, that's absolutely the case. And I think that's a great way of framing this series. We're going to keep talking about it, obviously, as the games are played. And this is just a brief overview of how we view the matchup. As Darius was talking there, it's just a think about LeBron in that context. And and also that kind of yeah. answers all the questions about like he's got both. You he's know? both. He's and both. Like, 
And that's he yes. uniquely is both like Jordan and Kobe are like their crazy, ridiculous competitive mentality, I think made their brawn go up a level from their physical six, six element. And, and so that kind of transcends. That's how they transcend. They're almost, they almost play bigger to like six, eight, you know, in some sense, but that's, that's LeBron. And that's where you're right. Like that's the part that Giannis can get to. And then how much of Chris's brain Right. Can make up. So it's a, it's a great way to frame it. It's a, it's a, it'd be a fun way to watch the series. Well, the well, last point on this, this is why for the first, I don't know what, 45 or 50 years of the NBA, like the best players in the league were pretty much all centers. They were all big yeah. men. Right. right. It, it, because they were they were the unstoppable physical presences of the entire league. Right. And so the first at the very first one was a Laker. It was Mike in. Right. And then it was Russell and Wilt and then Jabbar. And even within the scope of of those guys, it was like, oh, look, there's a Bill Walton season. And oh, look, there's there's Willis Reed getting his championship. And then it's like then it's Akeem and it's Shaq and it's all of these dudes. And it, the only other guys that came close to that were also six, nine dudes. Right. It was Magic Johnson and it was Larry Bird. And it was these dudes who were just bigger than everyone else. And that's sort of been one of the knocks on Chris Paul that and you've said this throughout the entire playoffs, Mike, is the idea of like being a smaller dude and how the limitations on that and how far does that take you? And, and so when I'm looking at this series and how it's going going to play out. I'll be very interested to see how much bigger the Bucks can, or not the Bucks, how much bigger the Suns can play because they've they've found ways to win, right? Aiton and and Paul and Booker are like they are get after it dudes. They do not like there. There may be a six eight dude in front of them, but they don't care. They're going to take it right into the teeth of that defense anyway, and they will pull the trigger and fade and shoot over the top, top of you, and they will get in there and scrap with you. But the Bucks are also a team that's like, okay, you want to get dirt, dirty with me inside? P.J. Tucker is going to, he's going to hit you. Giannis is going to hit you. And all of these dudes are going to keep coming and, and keep coming. So the clash of that will be very interesting to me, and it's going to make for a compelling finals I think. Yes, absolutely. And we'll be here to, to cover it. Uh, Sans Darius, at least for the first week, he's going to be joining Magic on his European yacht vacation. So it's just going to be Mike and I for the rest of the week. Get we'll that selfie stick ready, bro. That's right. Hey, man. <laughs> you and LL, right? I don't think I'm going to be running into LL Cool J, but I will send you guys a video of someone trying to like take a picture of of something and me just poking my head in and that's right. Walking it's going to be magic. Magic on the left, Rodney Pete on the right, Darius in the middle, baby. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right, y'all. But we'll be back tomorrow. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy. Dies on his belly. Magic scores. Magic got it. Magic fires. It's game. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA a lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. 
a Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Ryan spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one. Miss it. It's over. Shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good. Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers. James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.